Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ. They're all lower. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on this back-to-work Tuesday. Stocks have halted a seven-day advance right now. The S&P down a point at 24.15, down one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 38 to 21,041, a drop of two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ lower by three points, down one-tenth of one percent. The 10-year up 1030. 30 seconds, yield 2.21%. Gold down $7 the ounce to 12.61, down six tenths of 1%. West Texas Intermediate Crude down 32 cents a barrel to 49.48, a drop there of six tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Well, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. The ETF report is brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility, minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors. Prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. There are more than 2,000 ETFs listed in the U.S., and yet it's still possible to be the first in an area. A proposed ETF from BlackRock is a case in point. Rachel Evans wrote the story for Bloomberg. So this is a, a consumer asset-backed securities ETF. This is going to be backed by student loans, by credit cards, um, and by um, other types of, of consumer borrowing. Um, obviously, we've seen household debt rise significantly in the U.S., and this is a way for investors who are bullish on this to actually really get exposure to that. Evans notes there are signs of trouble in consumer asset-backed securities, including suspicions of fraud in some auto loan applications and a decline in credit card recovery rates. It's not for the faint-hearted. If you want to go into this ETF, you need to be have a fairly strong opinion one way or another on the, the health of this sector. Evans says a market for consumer asset-backed securities is relatively non-transparent. BlackRock has tried to win SEC approval for the ETF by developing an index that includes only the most liquid debt in the space. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. This is Corey Johnson and Oliver Rennick filling in for Carol Master this afternoon. Now we turn, this is the time of day we turn to Bill Stone for some advice on what's going on in the markets. Uh, Bill, thanks for joining us. Bill Stone, he's a global chief investment strategist at PNC Asset Management Group out of Philadelphia, of course. And I want to look at some numbers today, Phil, uh, because I've been tracking the sort of gap between what's happening in the stock market near all-time highs and what's happening with the economic surprise index, which uh, continues to roll over, uh, not necessarily today, but that's been the trend. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's even maybe showing up, although I think there's other things, too, in in the bond market. You know, as you know, with yields plumbing, you know, 10-year yields plumbing pretty close to the year lows, uh, I think those are maybe somewhat connected. Um, and maybe it's just, I'll say, not as, you know, big as surprises because we had, uh, you know, we've had some good runs of surprises. And like you said, like today, it was really pretty much as advertised, so those aren't really necessarily surprises. Um, and obviously, there's always some worries that we might be having, you know, some sort of a uh, of a slowdown here. But I guess we'd still say we we think it's uh, um, still looks like going to be at least a pretty good quarter here for GDP growth. Um, we're, we've been talking about valuation a little bit today, and Dave Wilson, our stock editor, noting that uh, tech valuations aren't so high as they, as they have been. But uh, um, 
Boy, when you look at, at, at price to sales uh, of, of the of S&P 500, for example, quite high. Um, high as we've seen since uh, 2001, I think 2000. Uh, we see um, uh, even EV to EBITDA at levels we've, we saw in, in 2000. We also saw it in 2004. So the question is, is EBITDA going to go up or is, is EV going to go down? Yeah, and the hard part is when you look at, um, you know, price of sales, or I'm just going to use that, um, you know, the hard part is we, we have continued to be able to squeeze out more earnings out of every sales dollar. So that's one side, um, which companies have just gotten better at, at uh, you know, doing better, getting more profitability. I think the second part is um, you can't ignore the fact that interest rates matter for what multiple you're willing to pay for stocks. So I'm certainly not a guy arguing that stocks are cheap, um, but I think you have to be careful not to jump to that they're super expensive um, because I do think you have to keep in mind what else can you invest in, what are the nominal returns or real returns even, whatever you want to look at, um, of other things you can invest in. And in that look anyway, um, they certainly don't seem outlandish at all to me. Hey, Bill, when you look at the expectations for a Fed rate hike uh, this month, it is pretty much a certainty within the market, just gauging by Fed funds futures at least. Um, yeah. Is it, you know, we talk about the Trump trade and the inflation trade and how it's kind of hit the wall here, but I wonder what's the cost if investors are wrong at all about what the Fed is interpreting or if they, if within that 100% there's an expectation for hikes down the road as well that kind of get looped into that that perhaps shouldn't be there. What happens if maybe we get that move this month, but the bullishness on hikes in the future is not quite there? Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll give two outcomes. So, yeah, I mean, I think June looks really, uh, you know, almost like rarely do you say it's really a given. Um, but the, but let's say that one either, whether it's in September or December. Um, so the negative case is they don't do it because the economy has, in fact, slowed down. So the 10-year yield was somehow telling you something, right? It said, well, hey, that slowdown's coming, so why would they hike into uh, a significant slowdown in the economy? Um that one's, I'll say, the negative case for risk assets. Um, if they choose to maybe hold off and do maybe more, let assets roll off, because they, they kind of, I think, are going to look at those as uh, uh, a similar thing. It doesn't mean they don't do both, by the way. I did, what I mean is um, they both look at both of those as tightenings. Right. Um, you know that that doesn't necessarily show up badly if it's around the economy's doing okay uh, and they just chose to go down a path. Um, but I think that's the two ways it, it kind of uh, can play out. Um, I'm, I guess I'm hopeful because uh, because I like risk assets to hold up okay that it's not the uh, uh, the uh, former. Yeah, well, I think we can all kind of say, it's, you know, even even the recovering short seller means it would be nice if the economy is doing well and people are doing well and employment doesn't stink. But, uh, uh, you know, are, are you in the camp that says that a, a bull market doesn't uh, die of old age? Yeah, I am. I mean, I don't think, especially, you know, because I think it's connected uh, to the economy. So the same thing I'd say about the economy. The economy is not uh, not an old age. It's typically an overheating. Uh, and I'd say, and you, I think you can say the same thing about the market, right, too. Um, neither one, to me, has, you know, well, maybe you can point to technology in, in spots, um, although I think it's hard, you know, when you overlay the valuations to say it's really, really overheated. Uh, it's obviously had a good run in the tech and, and 
um, you know, in terms of the economy, don't think it's overheated. The second one is some external shock uh, in terms of the economy, and obviously those are almost impossible to predict. Uh, the one thing you have to see is the normal one you look for is oil, and that certainly doesn't look like um, the, that there's any sort of spike coming in oil. While we think oil will move up over time, it certainly doesn't look like it will get away from us uh, in any uh, short order. Bill, uh, to the point about bull markets ending, uh, the one thing that has repeatedly shown throughout history that does have the capability of putting the cap on the rally is, of course, economic deterioration and recession. Um, I wonder, as we kind of take it full full circle here and look at the uh, economic data that's been coming out, we are, in terms of disappointing data, really in this trend the past three months that we haven't seen in quite some time, really since mid-2015, it's been positively surprising up and up. At what point does that have to factor into how people think about markets? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know that it necessarily has to surprise. Uh, obviously, it's good when it does surprise to the upside, but I think you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find data at the moment um, that would indicate anywhere near recession, mm-hmm. um, at least anything, you know, whether you want to look at the hard data uh, or you want to look at the soft data from the surveys, um, you know, the PMI data, et cetera, it, you know, and even, you know, we got another consumer confidence number, came off of this. That's today. true. I, I guess we should um, should say, Bill, Bill Stone, we should say it's they're beating at a less positive rate is a good way to phrase it. Bill Stone, PNC, thanks so much for joining. 